Chapter twenty one of Notwithstanding by Mary Chumley. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Simon Evers. Chapter twenty one. The less wit a man has, the less he knows that he wants it. George Eliot. The vicarage is within a stone's throw of the Dower House. Mr. and Miss Black were solemnly seated opposite each other at tea, and Mr. Black was ruefully reflecting as he often did at meal-times, on his sister's incapacity as a housekeeper. We sometimes read in the biographies of eminent men how trains and boats always alluded to those distinguished personages, in spite of their pathetic eagerness to overtake them, how their luggage and purses and important papers fled from them, how their empty chairs too frequently represented them on state occasions. Miss Black was not alluded by such bagatelles as trains and omnibuses, but by things of greater importance, by new-laid eggs and fresh butter and cottage loaves. No egg until it was of advanced middle age would come within a mile of Miss Black. The whole village was aware that old Purvis sold her potted eggs at new-laid prices, and that she never detected the lime on them. Scones and cakes and loaves with kissing crust remained obdurately huddled in the baker's cart at the vicarage back door. All that ever found their way into the house were those unappropriated blessings, those emotionless rectangular travesses of bread called tin loaves. Coffee and Miss Black were not on speaking terms. After years of deadly enmity she had relinquished the fruitless struggle, and gave her brother coffee essence instead for breakfast, two spoonfuls to a cup of tepid milk. Fire and water would not serve Miss Black. The bath-water was always cold at the vicarage, and the drinking-water was invariably warm. Butter, that sensitive ally of the housekeeper, bore her a grudge. Miss Black said that all the rift butter was bad. In London she had said the same. Biscuits became demoralised directly they set tin in the house. The first that emerged from the box were crisp to delicious, but in a day or two they were all weary, tough, and tasteless. They were kept on plates on sideboards in the sun, or thrust into mousy cupboards. She left off ordering gingerbread nuts at last, which her brother liked, because they all stuck together like putty. She attributed this peculiarity to the proximity of the ribbon. Miss Black was no more perturbed by the ostracism in which she lived as regards the vegetable and mineral kingdom than Napoleon was by the alliance of Europe against him. She combined a high opinion of herself with a rooted conviction that everything vexatious or disagreeable was inherent in the nature of things, a sort of original sin. It was in the fallen nature of butter to be rancid, and eggs to be laid stale, and milk to be sour, and villagers to cheat, and old people to be fretful, and pretty women, like Annette, to be vain and unscrupulous, and men, like her brother, to care inordinately about food, and to be enslaved by external attractions. She expected these things, and many more, as she stumped through life, and she was not disappointed. "'I think you are wrong, Walter,' she said, masticating a plasmon biscuit, "'in making Miss George's take that bit in the anthem as a solo. "'I went to see Mrs. Cox this afternoon, and we got talking of the car, "'and I'm sure she did not like it.' "'I cannot steer my course entirely by Mrs. Cox.' "'Of course not, but she told me that in Mr. Jones's time "'I'm rather tired of hearing of Mr. Jones and his times.' In his time all the troubles took the cellar together to prevent any jealousy or ill-feeling. 
"'I can't prevent jealousy of Miss George's,' said Mr. Black, looking coldly at his sister, and then still more coldly at the cup of tea she handed him, made quarter of an hour before by the young servant who, as the Miss Blinkets who had trained her had faithfully warned Miss Black, mistook bubbling for boiling. The tea was the consistency of treacle, and the cream his sister poured into it instantly took the contorted worm-like shapes which sour cream does take. Miss Black drank hers slowly, not finding it good, but thinking it was like all other tea. "'You won't make the jealousy less by putting her forward in everything?' "'It irritates me to hear Miss George's voice muffled up with Mrs. Cox and Jane Smith. I don't suppose Rift Church has ever had such a voice in it since it was built. I'm sure I can't tell you about that, but Miss George's has been partly trained for a public singer.' "'Has she? I did not know that.' The truth is we know very little about her. I am not sure we ought not to have made more inquiries before we admitted her to the choir and the Sunday school. My dear, poor good nature on her part is responsible for her being in either. Could anything be more ultra-respectable than her aunt's? We don't know who her father was. I should not wonder if he were an actor. Her manner of singing is so theatrical. Not quite a good example for the other trebles. She draws attention to herself. She can't help that, Angela. This is partly due to her appearance, for which she is not responsible. Mr. Black, patient and kindly by nature, showed to greater advantage with his sister than with Annette, because he never attempted to show Miss Black the sort of man he was. You could not be two minutes in her society without realising that she saw no more difference between one person and another than she did between fresh eggs and a stale. Men were men to her, as eggs were eggs and that was all about it. "'She is responsible for a good deal of the attention she courts,' said Miss Black scornfully, and with a modicum of truth on her side. "'She did not let her hair stand out over her ears, or make those two little curls in the nape of her neck. And did you notice her absurd hat?' "'I noticed nothing absurd about it. When everyone is wearing trimmed hats, she must needs make herself conspicuous in a perfectly plain straw with no trimming at all.' except that black ribbon tied under her chin. Everybody was staring at her last Sunday. That I can well believe. I asked her where she got that nice garden hat. Is it possible? How angry you would have been if she had asked you where you got yours. Mr. Black glanced for the first time at a battered but elaborate arrangement sprinkled with cornflowers, sinking a little crooked, like a badly balanced plate, on the top of his sister's narrow head. She wasn't the least angry. There was nothing to be offended at. And she said her aunt in Paris sent it to her, who was a milliner. "'How like her to say that, to volunteer it,' said Mr. Black, aware that his sister was watching how he took the news of Annette's connection with trade. "'But we must be careful how we repeat it. In this amazing little world of Riff, it might be against her to have a milliner for an aunt.' "'I don't see that Riff is more amazing than any other place,' said Miss Black who had already circulated the story of the dressmaking aunt with the same diligence which she showed in the distribution of the parish magazine. "'I hope we can all be civil to Miss George's, even if her aunt is a dressmaker, and her father lurks still in the social scale. She has no de before her name, and George's is a very common surname.' "'Indeed. Perhaps you are thinking of asking her to change it,' said his sister, whose temper was liable to boil up with all the suddenness of milk. "'I have not got so far as that,' he said, rising. 
"'You must remember, Angela, that you see a possible wife for me in every woman I exchange a word with. "'It is very flattering that you should think so many might be prevailed on to share my little vicarage. "'But the church only allows me one wife, and the selection, I believe, rests with me.' "'I know that. It's so silly to talk as if I expected anything different. "'All I can say is that if I could delude myself into believing that Miss George's put on that hat, "'or any other hat, with a view to attracting me, "'I should feel some alacrity in finishing my Sunday sermon, "'which I must now do without any alacrity at all.' "'Miss Black swallowed the remains of her plasmon biscuit, "'and said, in the voice of one accustomed to the last word, "'Miss George's is very good-looking, of course. "'No one admires that sort of pale, clear complexion and calm manner more than I do. "'But you must remember that they are merely the result of a constitution "'free from an excess of uric acid. "'Non-gouty subjects always look like that.' End of chapter 21